Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. The Epistle of 1 John, chapter 4. And I'd like to begin this evening talking to us about living in God's realm. Living in God's realm. 1 John 4. But first, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this time together to study your word. And as we do, we invite the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and to reveal to us spiritual truth, unveiling the deep, rich treasures of your word to our hearts and our minds, enabling us to understand and know the knowledge of the truth that would make us free. And Father, I thank you personally for giving me utterance in the Holy Ghost and making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer that I may boldly and with accuracy proclaim this word that will cause our faith to stand not in men's wisdom, but in the power of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. First John chapter 4 and verse 8. And before we look at that verse, let me once again just reiterate something that I recently said. If you want to have more of God in yourself and in your life, then you've got to let go of something. You've got to let go of something in order to get more of God. In other words, if we're not willing to let go of self, then we can't have more of God. Starts from the very beginning when we first came to Jesus Christ. If we weren't willing to give Him our heart, our life, then of course we wouldn't be able to get His life. But if we're willing to give up our life, then we can have His life. Amen. And it goes from there. We've got to be willing to give away something of ourselves to get something in return that's a whole lot better. But sometimes we struggle along the way because there are just some things we just might not want to give up. In other words, there's a price to pay to have more of God in our lives. Amen? There's something that we've got to do. And it's called letting go of self. And unless we're willing to do that, beloved, then we're not going to have more of God in our lives. And so if your heart is sincere tonight and you really want to know how to have more of the Lord, I really believe this message is for you. God wants us to live in His realm. He wants us to walk with Him in sweet communion and fellowship so that we can constantly or continuously be being changed into the very person of Jesus Christ. More and more, from glory to glory, we are changed by the Spirit of God. Well, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, mainly we want to look at the latter part of the verse, but it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Everybody say with me, God is love. Of course, that word there for love is agape, A-G-A-P-E, and it basically means divine love or the love of God or a kind of love that human beings really know nothing about. So we can actually say God is agape. God is agape love. I want you to imagine just for a moment, if you can, living in a realm where only absolute love exists. 
Can you think about that just for a moment? Living in a realm where only absolute love exists. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be marvelous? You know, in a place where there's only love, there wouldn't be anything contrary to life. There wouldn't be anything contrary to what is good and wholesome and healthy. That's really the utopia that people are looking for today. Well, we can have it, but it's in that realm. It's in the realm of love because God is love. So walking in love or agape is walking in God's realm and living in God's realm. But again, I said, imagine yourself living in a realm where nothing exists except absolute love. And what I want to do is maybe just take a moment to talk about that word absolute because we don't think in terms of absolute in our language today. See, when we talk about something that's absolute, we're talking about something that is free from any imperfection or impurity. We're talking about something that is pure and something that has the absence of any mixture. In other words, something that is 100% all the way through. So when the Bible says that God is love or God is agape, it's talking about God is 100% absolute agape with no degree of any other mixture. Now, to help us better understand, let's just use the expression absolute zero. Now, we know what zero is. 32 degrees outside, you know, it begins to freeze. We understand that. And then from 32, you just count on down and you get to zero and you think, well, that's the epitome of cold. But in actuality, that's not true. Absolute zero really is a hypothetical temperature characterized by the absence of heat equivalent to 400, minus 459.69 degrees Fahrenheit. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine minus 459.69 degrees Fahrenheit? It's a hypothetical temperature. In other words, if all heat were taken out of the air, it would be approximately, hypothetically speaking, minus 459.69 degrees. Boy, that's cold even thinking about it, isn't it? Can you even imagine that? But you see, we don't think in those terms. So that means if it's even 400 and, you know, just, just bring it up, 458 minus 458, well, then there's still heat in the air, right? There's still some heat there. And bring it all the way up to, to even zero degrees Fahrenheit. Still there's heat. So when we talk about absolute, that God is absolute love, and there is a realm of love that is absolute, we're talking about not even one degree of any other mixture. No imperfections, no impurities whatsoever. Again, you're in 1 John, so this will help us even better understand. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light. Now notice, and in Him is 
is no darkness at all. I like that. But do we really think clearly as to what that really means? God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. You can look at the sun and the sun in all of its glory and brilliance is still not absolute light. You can look at the moon and all the stars of heaven and we see light, but still, that's not absolute light. God is light and in Him is no darkness. There's not one degree of darkness in Him at all. To be frank about it, if any human being looked at the full light of God's glory, that person couldn't survive in human form. Isn't that true? Couldn't survive it. Jesus is said to be brighter than the noonday sun. So there is a brightness that's brighter than the noonday sun that shineth in full strength. Isn't that true? So as brilliant and as bright as the glorious sun is, it's still lacking as far as absolute light is concerned. So God is light and in Him is not one degree of darkness. God is love and in Him is not one degree of anything that doesn't represent agape love. Wow. That's pretty pure, wouldn't you say? I mean, there is not even one degree of selfishness there is not point zero 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 one degree of selfishness in God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? Can there be such a realm? Can there be such a place? Oh, there is, beloved. It's called in the presence of God. It's called the realm of God. It's hard for us in our finite mind with our finite limitations to believe that there can be such a realm and that there can exist such a force. I mean, you think about the time that you've had the, the most wonderful feeling of love upon the face of this earth as you have lived so many years. Can you go back and think and reflect upon a time in your life when you thought it doesn't get better than this? Can you? Have you ever been there? Doesn't get better than this. I mean, this is it, man. This is what life is all about. Can you think of any time in your life that you thought, this is wonderful? That's nothing. Absolutely nothing in comparison to what it's like to live in God's realm. I mean, maybe some of you out there might be thinking, well, hey, I'm born again, spirit-filled, I love God. My husband or my wife is also born again, spirit-filled, and we love God. Our children are all born again and spirit-filled, and they love God. They're sitting together here with me in church right now. I mean, this is absolutely wonderful. We're praising God together. I mean, that's glorious and that's wonderful. But, beloved, it's still a far cry from what God has for us when we fully enter into that realm with Him, where there only exists absolute love. Absolute love. It's amazing to think about it. But you know what? It does exist. It really does. Now, I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I want you to see something that's Important to every single one of us if we really want to have more of God in our lives. 
in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. Because I really believe that it shows a little bit more, gives us a little bit more understanding as to what we should be doing in this life. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. That's agape. Make it your aim and your great quest. Notice again, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. Every single one of us is admonished in the Scriptures to see to it that our greatest quest in life, our highest aim and goal in life is to continue growing in this love by degree and measure. As a matter of fact, what we really want to do is continue to make this great exchange. We want our selfishness to, to, to diminish by degree and we want God's love to grow in us by degree. Until finally, before we leave this realm of life, we are more walking in God's love and in that realm where God exists, then we are walking in our own selfish ways. This is what the true Christian life is all about. As a matter of fact, love is the greatest force in all the universe. Love is greater than faith, and love is greater than hope. Love is the greatest force in all the universe. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13. It says here, And so faith, hope, love abide. This is from the Amplified. Faith is the conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope is joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Love, true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is what? Now, how can we know that love is greater? Well, first of all, love, we understand is what makes faith work. And without love, faith has no energy. Galatians 5, 6 says, Faith which worketh by what? Love. So without love, faith can't work. And so faith must be of a lesser importance than love. Love is greater than faith. Okay? And then what about faith in relation to hope? We are told in Hebrews 11 and 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith give substance to hope. Hope cannot give substance to itself. So hope, and then faith is the greater force, and then love is even the greatest of all the forces. So there's going to come a time we're not going to need to operate in faith because we are going to enter in totally into the realm of what? Love. And in that realm of perfection, there are no imperfections Therefore, all of our needs are met in Him. So there's no need to faith to believe God for anything because we've already got it all. Also, let me state this because it's also important to understand how our faith can grow. Some people get highly offended and insulted when you might even suggest that their faith has got to become stronger. But beloved, let's understand it this way. We all operate in certain degrees of faith in certain areas of our lives. 
Faith, though, can grow. Our faith can grow exceedingly, the Bible says. What does that mean? Your faith and my faith can grow exceedingly. But you know what? I firmly believe that before our faith can grow exceedingly, we've got to be willing to let go of some of our doubts. Get out the doubt, get more faith. Get out the doubt, get more faith. There comes a time we've got to set aside and be willing to release belief in our senses for belief in the Word of God. So if we don't give out and give up of certain things that we hold dear in our lives, we can't get more from God. The same thing is true with this divine love. This divine love is to be our greatest quest. In other words, it's not for us to, to be used by God in the gifts of the Spirit. That's not supposed to be our highest aim and greatest quest in life. All those things will soon pass away. The greatest of all is living in that realm of love with God. And of course, in that realm, all those gifts will work here in this life. But there's coming a time when we won't need gifts of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, you're there in 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 1. To show us that love is the greatest of all forces and it should be our highest aim and quest in life, let's just read the first few verses. I'm reading from the Amplified. If I can speak in tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional spiritual devotion, such as inspired by God's love for us and in us, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, that is the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless nobody. Well, that'll awaken some charismatics. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, or in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing, or as the King James says, it profiteth me nothing. And he goes on to share that love is the greatest of all forces. And so you see, beloved, for us to walk and live in God's realm is for us to walk and live in agape love. Agape love is supposed to dominate our lives and we can grow in it by degree and measure. But like I said, we have got to be willing to give up on our part and to replace that with something that God has to offer, and that is more of His love in manifestation in our lives. We all should want to grow in this love. Well, beloved, before we really expound and teach more about agape love, I really believe it's essential and important for us to understand the benefits of living in this realm of love with God. You say, well, why? Because I'm preaching to human beings. And that's how human beings are. We don't want to know how hard it is and we don't want to know all the different things unless there's something in it for us. Right? I mean, you're no different than Abraham was. And when God appeared to Abraham and said, Look, I want you to do this, this, I want you to love me, obey me, serve me, all that. He said, Well, what's in it for me? Didn't he? I said, Didn't he? Didn't he do that? What's in it for me? And that's a natural response. In other words, human beings are not going to be motivated to do things 
unless there's something in it for them. And that's why I firmly believe it's necessary that we understand the benefits of walking and living in God's realm of love so that we can be better motivated to pursue this love and grow in it. Beloved, let me state that this realm of love offers every answer to every human problem. It will solve all problems, answer all questions, and I'll tell you what, it will bless humanity like it's never been blessed before. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ will be refined and will grow by leaps and bounds wherever the people make an effort to pursue this love with great intensity. And I'm not talking about just hearing it and toying with it. I'm talking about an all-out militant effort to say, I've played around with this long enough. I am going to do what God wants me to do with agape love. I'm going to make it my highest aim and greatest quest in my life. Well, first of all, I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 15 and show you that we're no different than Abraham was and there's nothing wrong with us wanting to know what's in it for us and wanting to know the benefits or the blessings of living in this realm of God. Divine love is God's realm and He has invited us to come into that realm with Him and live with Him in that realm so that He can bless us the way He really wants to bless us. So He can manifest the full blessings of the gospel in all of our lives. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? What are you going to give me? See, he was curious. This almighty God, this creator of all mankind, appeared to him and began to speak to him, introducing himself to him as Al Shaddai. And the first thing that Abram says, What wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eleazar of Damascus, and Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and, lo, one born in my house is mine heir. As if God, had to know, God didn't know his problems. I mean, he's rehearsing all this before Almighty God, who just said, I am the Al Shaddai, all-sufficient one. But Abram says, when I look, do you know what I've been going through in life? Can you understand that I don't have a child? In other words, what can be more important than my having a child, a man-child to carry on the name? And I don't have a man-child. I don't have a son. What's in it for me? What can you possibly give me? Well, verse 3, And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. 
And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven. Now I want you to see something here. He's about to reveal to Abram his blessings, his rewards, and he's about to reveal future events to him. In answer to his question, what will you give me? Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. You're going to have some rewards, Abram. You're going to have some blessings. You're going to have some seed. In other words, you're going to have more children than you can count. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Well, if you go on reading through this, you will discover to let him know for certain that he would inherit all the things that God said he would do for him. God enters into a covenant relationship with Abram, letting him know that he would hold himself to his word by the covenant law. And then in verse 18 of the same chapter, and I'm reading it to you from the Amplified Bible, on the same day the Lord made a covenant, a promise and a pledge with Abram saying, to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, the land of all the ites. Isn't that what he said? The Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Kenizzites, all these different ites. In other words, I have given you all this land. But the whole thing is, you're going to have to walk with me, you're going to have to serve me, you're going to have to do my will. And if you will, in other words, live with me in this realm, then I will produce great blessings and rewards to you in this life. Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 7, if you would, please. God has already revealed to Abram many things. He said that he would be blessed in a glorious way. As a matter of fact, I didn't read it to you from the Amplified. I want to read this to you while you're turning. Find Deuteronomy 7. I want you to listen to what also he said to Abram as he made this covenant or as he cut covenant with him about his own personal life. Now, now remember, this is Almighty God revealing himself to Abram saying, I want you to live in my realm. Now, it's going to take sacrifice on your part, but if you will, I will reward you. Living in God's realm of love, beloved, is going to take sacrifice on our part. But if we will, God will greatly reward us. I guarantee you along the way, you are going to hurt in your flesh. I'm going to hurt in my flesh. But we're going to give that up. We're not going to want an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. We're not going to want to get even with other people. We're not going to want vengeance on people and and we're going to fulfill the law of love because there will be great rewards for those who will come up 
to that realm and live with God in His realm of love. Listen to what he said. And this is chapter 15 and verse 13 in the Amplified Version of Genesis chapter 15. And God said to Abram, no positively, no positively, are you listening to this? No positively that your descendants will be strangers dwelling in a temporary resident in a land that is not theirs, Egypt, and will be slaves there and they will be afflicted and oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation whom they will serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. None of this ever happened yet. Next verse. And you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old hoary age. And in the fourth generation, they shall come back here to Canaan again for the iniquity of the Amorites. That's the name of the most important group of that region and later concluded in the people of all Canaan is not yet full and complete. And then he says... For I'm making this covenant with you, and it will come to pass even as I have spoken. So, in actuality, God was saying to Abram, If you will come and live with me in my realm, all these things are going to happen to you and your seed. And you can be sure that your descendants will be blessed along with you. You'll live to be a ripe old age, and when you depart this life, you'll do so. Now, I don't know about you. That's pretty good. I mean to tell you, God in advance is telling him, you're still going to have a long life, a longer life than what you've even thought of, and you're going to be tremendously blessed upon this earth. But that blessing will not stop with you. It will continue upon even your children and children's children and many thereafter. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I want us to begin reading at verse 6. And I want you to see that what God said way back when to Abram indeed came to pass. For you are a holy and set apart people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you and choose you. Because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loves you, and because He would, you want to underline this, keep the oath which He had sworn to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Isn't that what He told Abram that He would do? And He did it. And didn't He say... That he gave him his word to do so. That he would keep this oath. He made this covenant. And that these things would take place. Absolutely. Now listen. No recognize and understand therefore that the Lord your God. He is God the faithful God. Who keeps covenant and steadfast love and mercy with those who love him. And keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He repays those who hate him to their face. By destroying them. He will not be slack to him who hates him, but will requite him to his face. You shall therefore keep and do the instruction, the laws, the precepts which I command you this day. And if you hearken to these precepts and keep and do them, the Lord your God will keep 
with you the covenant and the steadfast love which He swore to your fathers. He will love you. He will bless you. He will multiply you. He will bless the fruit of your body, the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle, the young of your flock, in the land which He swore to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord shall and will take away from you all sickness and none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which you knew will He put upon you, but will lay them on all who hate you. Here, God is saying, if you likewise will continue to live in my realm as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then I will see to it that I continue to bless you in the same manner in which I bless them. It was a covenant that would be handed down from one generation to the next generation and continue right on through all their days. Well, what does that have to do with us? 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8. 1 Timothy 4 and 8, if you would please. The scripture says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. All those benefits that God elaborated on belonged to Abraham and his seed forever. If they would live in God's realm by keeping His commandments and doing His will, all those blessings would come upon them. God would fulfill them in their lives. If practicing godliness was profitable then, how much more then do we know that practicing godliness in the day in which we live will provide us a whole lot more because we have a better covenant established upon better promises? Isn't that true? Now notice, godliness is profitable. But didn't it say in 1 Corinthians 13 that if you don't walk in love, it's not profitable? So then we can say godliness really is living in the realm of God's love is profitable unto all things. Not just the promise of the life that is to come, but also the promise of the life that now is. In other words, God wants to bless us both now and throughout eternity. And the way to receive those blessings is to understand the need to rise up and live in God's realm of agape love. And if we'll make a decision to do that, it will be profitable unto every single individual. And we can also claim the full blessings that also belong to Abraham for his living in the realm of God. You say, well, how can that be true? Go on back to the book of Genesis in chapter 17, and I want you to see it. Practicing godliness, beloved, enables God to bless us in every area of our lives. Practicing 
living in God's realm of divine love enables Him to bless us and reward us in every aspect of life. In other words, we want to make this effort to do so because we know the great rewards that await us. And God basically is enticing us and saying to us, do you want to experience the full blessings? Do you want to experience great things in life? Do you want to have your eternity secure? Do you want great rewards on the other side as well as great blessings on this side? Then this is how to achieve those things. In Genesis 17, beginning at verse 1, when Abram was... I want to read this from the Amplified once again. Was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk and live habitually before me and be perfect, blameless, wholehearted, and complete. In other words, he's targeting the very heart of Abram and saying to him, See to it that the attitudes, the motives, and the desires of your heart are pure as you walk and live habitually in my commandments. And I will make my covenant, which is my solemn pledge, between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, behold, my covenant, my solemn pledge is with you. And you shall be the father of many nations. Nor shall your name any longer be Abram, high father, but your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude, for I have made you the father of many nations. Now notice this. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting solemn pledge to be a God to you, underline that, and to your posterity after you. To be a God to you and your posterity after you. And I will give to you and to your posterity after you the land in which you are a stranger, going from place to place, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall therefore keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your posterity after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And he goes on and explains certain things. And he says that he will bless him, he will give him a son, so on and so forth. Now, I want you to turn with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 3. Because sometimes what we do is we refer to these scriptures, but don't put them in their full, complete context. God just told Abram, who he now named Abraham, that I want you to live in my realm with me. And if you'll come up here and live with me by being obedient to my commandments and keep covenant with me by living in this realm... With all of your heart, I will do all this not only for you, but for your posterity after you. And everyone will be blessed in a promised land where blessings flow in abundance. Great provisions, dynamic blessings. And you hear people today saying, yeah, but that was Abraham. 
That was all that God promised to him if he would walk with him. Beloved, God wants us to live in the same realm with him. And I want to show you why. Look at verse 7 from the Amplified Bible, Galatians chapter 3. Know and understand. I guess we better. Wouldn't you say? Know and understand that it is really the people who live by faith who are the true sons of Abraham. If this isn't getting you excited, if this isn't turning up your flame, we better read it again. No one understand that it is really the people who live by faith who are the true sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify and declare righteous or put in right standing with Himself, the Gentiles, in consequence of faith, proclaimed the gospel for telling the glad tidings of a Savior long beforehand to Abraham in the promise, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So then those who are people of faith, are you a person of faith? You are blessed made happy and favored by God as partners in fellowship with the believing and trusting Abraham. Verse 13. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse or doom of the law's condemnation by Himself becoming a curse for us For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, is crucified. To the end, to what end? That through their receiving Christ Jesus, the blessing promised to Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, so that we through faith might all receive the realization of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now verse 29 sums the whole thing up. And if you belong to Christ... In other words, if you're in Him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring, spiritual heirs according to the promise. I think that make, should make us go back there and find out all the blessings He promised Abraham's posterity. Wouldn't you say? Did you get that? Everything God promised to Abraham belongs to you. You're a descendant. You're a seed. You're an heir. You're his posterity. See, we don't view ourselves as Abraham's seed. It's too far back. Yeah, but that was Abraham way back. Wait a minute. He was speaking about a generation of faith people. And he was talking about a promise he made him way back many moons ago saying, I will bless you in every way imaginable and those blessings will be handed down to your posterity after you. All those who are in Christ are Abraham's seed and heirs according to every promise God made Abraham. Well, what's that to get excited about? We'll go on back to Deuteronomy 28 for a minute. If you don't know what your blessings are, if this doesn't inspire you to live in God's realm of love, then nothing will. 
Because right here we have a short list of some of those blessings that belong to Abraham's seed. Are you Abraham's seed tonight? Are you an heir according to the promise? Does that mean these blessings belong to you also because you are that posterity that he was speaking of after him? All right, listen. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. I'm going to go and stick with the Amplified Bible here if you don't mind. These If you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do all His commandments. In other words, if you will live in God's love realm, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. When you're driving through Beaver, say, I'm blessed in Beaver. When you get to New Brighton, say, I'm blessed in New Brighton. When you get over into Beaver Falls, say, I'm blessed in Beaver Falls. If you're going by way of Midland, say, I'm blessed in Midland. I'm blessed in East Liverpool. I'm blessed in Lisbon. Man, you're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the city. It's because you love God, you're living in His realm, and you're growing in agape love. You are blessed in the city. And blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. And the fruit of your ground. And the fruit of your beasts, the increase of your cattle, and the young of your flock. You know, your children are blessed. Say with me, my children are blessed. I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus, an heir according to the promise. Abraham's blessings are mine. Therefore... My children are blessed. And you see, that's because you're living in love's realm. Now listen. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord shall cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. You don't have to fight your enemy. Did you hear that? They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Someone says, well, the devil's been after me. Well, let him go seven ways. Amen. Start saying it. Yeah. Start saying, ha ha, the devil, and glory to my God. I'm living in love's realm. You've got to flee from me in seven ways. The Lord shall command the blessing upon you in your storehouse. I like that. In all that you undertake. He will bless you in the land which the Lord your God gives you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to Himself. He has sworn to you, if you live in love's realm, 
or keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in His ways, love's realm, all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name and in the presence of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Now look at this verse. And the Lord shall make you have a surplus of prosperity through the fruit of your body, of your livestock, and of your ground in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. I like that overflow. What about you? I like having a surplus of prosperity in my body. What about you? That means you've got enough to give somebody else. God's healing virtue is so overflowing in my life. I've got something to lay hands on you and praise God help you. Amen. Amen. Do you see that? It's so at work in you. It's so at work at me. We can pray for other people. The Lord, verse 12, shall open to you. Oh, I don't know if you can stand this. Dare I say it? He shall open to you His good treasury. Did you hear that? You know God had a good treasury box. Did you know that? He shall open to you His good treasury. We're not talking about the fake. We're talking about the good stuff. The heavens to give the rain of your land in its season. And to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only, and you shall not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and are watchful to do them. And you shall not go aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. Every single one of those blessings belongs to every seed of Abraham. God wants to bless His people, beloved, like they've never even heard of. You've heard the expression, He wants to bless your socks off? Basically, that's the truth. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs, just in case that's not enough for you. Chapter 3, there might be some that need to be persuaded a little bit more. I'll give you a few more verses. Proverbs chapter 3. This is talking about what God will do for those who come up and live in His realm of divine love. Now remember, there's always an if, and that's if we keep His commandments. His commandment in the New Testament is one of divine love. Everyone is to decrease in selfishness and increase in divine love. And if we will, listen. Chapter 3, Proverbs, verse 1. My son, forget not my law or teaching, but let your heart keep my commandment. That's living in the love realm. For length of days, that's longevity, and years of a life worth living. That's not talking about a miserable life, but a life worth living. And tranquility, inward and outward, and continuing through old age till death, these shall they add to you. You know, we can have a party right there. Did you just hear that? Right there, it just said that if we live in this realm of love, love's realm, God's realm of love, we could have a long life worth living, full of peace, that will continue through old age till death. That will be added to you. You can be saved, and you know there can be things added to you even though you're saved now? Saved and having things added to you. 
And one of them is a long life. Okay, so that's the blessing of longevity. But a life worth living, full of peace. Let not mercy and kindness, shutting out all hatred and selfishness and truth, shutting out all deliberate hypocrisy and falsehood, forsake you. Bind them about your neck, write them upon the tablet of your heart, so shall you find favor, good understanding, and high esteem in the sight of ju- or judgment of God and man. There is something we're all looking for. Favor with God and man and respect from even God and humanity. Lean on, trust, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. Don't rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge Him. He will direct and make straight and plain your path. That's guidance and direction through life. Be not wise in your own eyes. Reverently fear and worship the Lord. And turn entirely away from evil. It shall be health to your nerves and sinews and marrow to your, and moistening to your bones. Perfect health. Honor the Lord with your capital and sufficiency. In other words, tithes and offerings... Uh, alms and love gifts from righteous labors and with the first fruits of all your income so shall your storage places be filled with plenty and your vats be overflowing with new wine. So once again he reiterates five all important blessings that every individual in life wants to be blessed with. Isn't that true? And then finally I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms and the 91st Psalm, and see what God will do for those who make a decision to leave the human realm of selfishness, self-centeredness, vengeance, unforgiveness, bitterness, vile speaking and evil speaking and vain speaking and all these different things, guile and all that. Leave all that behind you, behind me, and begin elevating ourselves to live in the love realm, this will happen to you. Verse 1 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that's the love realm, shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I like that. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God. On Him I lean and rely, and in Him I confidently trust. For then He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions. Under His wings shall you trust and find refuge. His truth and faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror of night, nor of the arrow, the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, it will not come near you. Only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked. Did you hear that? Inaccessible to the enemy. Did you hear that? inaccessible. And because you have made the Lord God your refuge and the Most High your dwelling place, in other words, because you made a decision to to live in God's realm, there shall no evil befall you or any plague or calamity come near your tent. He will give His angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of obedience and service. 
They shall bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall turn upon the lion and adder, the young lion and, and the serpent shall you trample underfoot. And because you set your love upon me, therefore will I, or I will, deliver him. I will set him on high because he knows and understands my name and has a personal knowledge of my mercy, love, and kindness. Trust and relies on me, knowing I will never forsake him. No, never. Did you hear that? Never. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Who's this for? The one who decides to live in God's realm. What is God's realm? The love realm. This is only the beginning. These are the benefits. But beloved, to live in love's realm is a challenge to every child of God. And every child of God should make living in love his great quest in life. Let me conclude by saying this. The devil has deluded many. Oh, if I could prophesy, if I can... What matters is if you live in love. Because if you're spirit-filled and you live in love and love dominates and motivates you, you will prophesy in love. You'll have spiritual gifts manifest through you in love. Not only will it do all these things for you individually... It'll protect your home, your family, relationships. It'll open up an avenue of blessings that are beyond human scope. I believe in that realm, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all anyone can ask or think. And we're going to explore this, beloved, and we are going to see hearts challenged. And I believe decisions made by individuals to walk and live in this realm of love like never before. Are you with me? Amen. Make it your great quest. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.